Welcome to Redemption Unscripted. On this podcast, you will hear unscripted conversation to help you know Jesus, grow in your relationship with Him, and go advance His kingdom. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome back to another episode of Redemption Unscripted. I am your host, Austin. I'm one of the pastors here at Redemption. And I'm really excited about this month's episode because we have a very special guest. And we typically, most of our guests are people on our staff team or other pastors. But this month, we get someone that's not on our staff team, uh, someone that we appreciate and love here at Redemption uh, that many of us and our ministry as a whole has benefited from. And so we have Leanne Brisbane, did I say the last name right? Yes. Okay, I've never <laughs> said her last name out loud, so uh, I typically will say Leanne. But we got Leanne with us, and she is the executive director of Free to Be Ministries, uh, which is one of our recommended counseling services here at our church, one that we push a lot of our people to. And so we love Free to Be. And a couple weeks ago, I guess time of the sh- time they're listening to this, it was like a month ago. So you, uh, Leanne, came to our staff team and did a workshop on trauma-informed ministry. And I remember listening to her, and one of the things I thought was like, man, I really want our people outside of our staff team and even people that listen to this podcast who don't go to our church, um, wanted them to hear some of what she talked about when it came to trauma and how that impacts our walk with Christ and the healing we can have um, through processing that. So, so Leanne, before I still the show, cause I could go on about how much we love you and your ministry, but you tell us a little bit about yourself, free to be and kind of your heart in this area. All right. Well, I am Leanne Brisbane and I am a licensed professional clinical counselor supervisor. And for years I worked in a clinical setting. I worked at Emerge and I loved it there. Um, And then I also, uh, right after that, worked in the ministry setting, and I worked at a church um, leading women's ministry. And when I was in both of those settings, I felt like a little bit of a fish out of water because uh, I felt like I didn't fit because I wanted those two worlds to merge more together. I felt like um, I wasn't super comfortable diagnosing people who just really needed help getting out of struggles and stuck points and things like that. And, um, and in the church setting, in the ministry setting, I loved it. Um, however, I felt like there were certain things I thought through clinically that um, needed to be seen, heard, and processed with people. Um, understanding human behavior. So a lot of times in the church setting, sometimes we um, put like a scripture verse on something and and um, offer a platitude or something that's truth, but don't really understand the deeper roots of why people behave the way that they do. So Free to Be came about because I wanted the world of psychology and the world of faith to come together. And so we have a structure at Free to Be that we call um, our tenants, Behold, Believe, Become. And beholding, we say that we are going to behold the Lord first, seek Him first, seek His truth, seek who He is, honor, um, and behold Him. 
And that's our, that's, we believe the wonderful counselor is the one who is the healer. And so we seek him first for the answers to our life. And then believing is really asking him to give us understanding of his truth in a deeper way to understand our story and the way that he looks at it. And um, so that we can become the person that he created and redeemed us to be. So we merge psychological principles and our faith, and um, we primarily do that through prayer work. Hmm. Yeah. And how long how long has been free to be been going so far? Right now, we're in our fourth year. Fourth year. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, and I, uh, I mean, I've benefited a ton, uh, am benefiting from uh, what you guys do. I know a lot of our team is as well, and so we, uh, yeah, we love what you're doing. We want to say thank you as a church, and I will say thank you even from our staff team for everything you've helped us with. So uh, I'm excited to have you on the podcast, and uh, wanted wanted just to have you share a little bit about kind of trauma. And I know when you shared it at the workshop, a lot of it was to help us as a staff team, you know, learn that about ourselves, but also to lead people. And so for people listening, they're, you know, regular church going folk. They love Jesus. They worship at our church, maybe another church. And they're probably thinking, maybe I have trauma. Maybe I don't. Maybe some are more aware than others. And so when we say trauma, let's just start there. Like what exactly are we, what are we meaning when we say trauma? What, what does that mean? Great question. So we have a saying at Free to Be that is a quote actually from um, an author that I really respect. Um, Her name is Carrie Oles, and she says, woundedness is universal. And I like that. Um, She says that we only rise to the level of our unprocessed pain and experiences. And if you look at that psychologically, What actually um, happens when we experience negative effects is that our brain takes that on as an imprint. And so it creates wounds within our brain psychologically. And so how we process an event, how we think about it, um, how we've been affected by it, all of that can create trauma to to the mind and to our emotional state and to our body. Our body takes on our negative experiences too, and how it responds to it. So we're body, mind, and spirit. We're made triune from a triune God. And all our mind, body, spirit take on those wounds, and that's called trauma. Hmm. Now, I know one of the things that has been helpful for me to learn in, in my own journey as well is I think whenever we think trauma, we're often thinking like someone passed away. I lost a family member, whatever. And and granted, that is trauma, but I think we often forget there's other forms of trauma, and maybe what we would consider little traumas are still trauma. So, if you might, I know you you kind of have you've pointed to that in our workshop. So, yeah, what are kind of some of the different types of trauma that are still very much trauma? Mm-hmm. Well, it used to be, um, you know, decade or so ago that we would. maybe more than that, we would talk about trauma being what we would consider big T traumas, you know, things like abuse, rape, um, people in the military. And we would talk about PTSD, post-traumatic stress in that way, 
that people were experiencing a trauma response to these big T traumas. And, um, and nobody debates that. And we would look at those things as like, if it, we'd see it physically on somebody, we'd think of it as like a, ga- a gaping wound. You know, mm-hmm. nobody is going to debate seeing somebody with a broken arm or yeah. a, a gaping wound on them. But we oftentimes forget that um, little T traumas, things that we've experienced over and over and over again in our developmental stages as children and adolescents when our brain is developing, that those can create just as much of a wound. But those look like a million paper cuts. Mm-hmm. And those can be covered by clothing or, you know, um, in ways that we don't necessarily see them. We don't necessarily recognize them as trauma. And so a lot of times I'll have clients who say, well, I didn't go through any big trauma, you know, but woundedness is universal because Mm -hmm. we live in this fallen world. We're not exempt from that. So we talk about little T traumas are things that we've experienced growing up developmentally when our brains as children are trying to determine what it looks like to feel safe and secure to have our basic needs met, Um, love, nurturing, all of those kinds of things that our brain is forming when we're children, attachment with parents, nurturing, those kinds of things. And when we don't have those needs met or they're wrongly met as children over and over and over again, those are like the million paper cuts of the wounds that affect our brain, our body, and our spirit. And so we call those little T traumas. In adolescence, our brain is developing our identity, what we believe about ourselves in relationship to the world around. And so um, in those developmental stages, if you have bullying, let's say, or you have a parent who is demeaning or shaming um, or controlling, and those are things happening over and over again, those are going to have an effect on your identity. And so again, little t traumas, um, like million little paper cuts that affect you along the way. Yeah, that's an interesting way to think about it. And I think, so So what you're saying, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but what I think every, so everyone listening to this, it's safe to say there is some trauma in their life. Yes, correct. Yeah, yeah. and I thought, I remember thinking about our men's ministry, like, you know, I when I sit with our guys and we do our men's study, one of the things I've noticed is you'll have so many guys who um, some would, you know, they've gone through the big T traumas and they know it's trauma. They will call it that. But then you got all these other guys that are like, yeah, nothing's happened to me like that. And I just think like, but man, there's a lot, you know, maybe you had an absent dad growing up or maybe like you said, you're, you're bullied. I don't know, but you, um, yes, you have trauma. It's just a little T trauma, which are still very much important. So Mm -hmm. uh, what are, so so when people start processing that, whether it's big T trauma, little T trauma, like what are some of the wrong ways that you've seen people respond? So once someone realizes, okay, I have trauma, maybe it's little T, maybe it's big T, and they feel that motivation now to, okay, I got to process this, I got to figure it out. Before we talk about the right way, what are some of the wrong ways you've seen people kind of sh- go? Well, mostly it's when we talk about surface level changes, behavior changes. So um, if you don't get to the root and talk about the root of really where things began and you're just trying to make behavior changes. So um, I don't like that I'm doing this, so I need to change my behavior. Um, Or I feel bad about who I am because, 
you know, I've got shame kind of layered on top of that. So I've got to, I've got to, um, work harder, you know, just got to work harder at, at what this looks like to change who I am. And, um, that really only lasts so long because change has to happen from a really a systemic way of making new neuropathways. And sometimes we can, sometimes we can make some changes by wanting to willing it Mm -hmm. to happen. But, um, but then the next time that we're triggered by something, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna come, it's gonna pop back up like a Jack in the box. Mm -hmm. So, um, some of the wrong ways or the wrong approach is, you know, shaming self, trying to look at behavioral changes to who I am and, um, and not enough grace. Mm, That's good. And I think earlier when you mentioned your heart, uh, about free to be and how you got there, one of the things you said that, that kind of rings true with this is I, I wonder if a wrong way, and you can chime in on this, it is a, um, simple spiritual answer kind of way. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I think I, I've been in those situations growing up where, you know, you're dealing with this and the answer from the pastor of the church is like, are you praying enough? Mm-hmm. Have you read your Bible enough? Mm-hmm. And you're like, not telling you not to pray or don't read your Bible, but man, if, if reading the Bible would just make everything go away mm-hmm. in every trauma process, like we would be fine. We can read right. the Bible, but like, how have, have you seen that happen before where people just kind of give the short, you know, it's a, it's a spiritual issue, pray, read the Bible, but it's like, no, there's, you really need to dig deep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where a lot of church hurt happens. You know, well-meaning people in the church or pastors who, you know, those things are truth, Mm -hmm. right? Those are true, true statements. You know, the common one I think of a lot is like, count it all joy, you know, that James Mm -hmm. speaks about. And that's a, that's a truth statement. I mean, scripture is truth, but if you're just trying to kind of put a scripture verse on top of something that's deeply rooted pain, um, that's definitely a wrong approach because yeah. it invalidates someone's journey and what that journey looks like for, for healing and what processing really needs to happen within their mind and body and spirit in order to get to that place of truth. Yeah. So, so what would you say is the right way? So if those are some of the wrong ways, if someone, let's say someone's even listening to this right now and they're like, man, I can see those, you know, paper cuts in my life. I can see all those little T traumas, um, and they're ready to to start kind of healing from that. What, like, what is kind of the right approach to go about doing this in a healthy way? That's another great question. So, um, I always say to every client that I see that understanding is the first step. If you can start to see below the surface, what are the things that generate? your behavior or your reactions or why you're triggered, um, start to understand your story a little bit more. Um, so we can maybe understand like, um, the events that have happened to us, but we don't always understand how it's affected us. Mm -hmm. So that understanding is really important. So sin actually comes from lies that we believe and the lies come from negative events that we've, we've, um, experienced. And so, um, having that understanding is the first step. The second step is really starting to make new neuropathways and new ways of thinking about things, new ways of, of seeing it through spiritual eyes. Um, 
So in essence, asking the Lord to tell, to retell us our story, what does it look like for us to have a perspective of it um, from his eyes and from his perspective, and then beginning to forge those new neuropathways. So um, just think about two parallel tracks, and one of those tracks is the way we've always kind of lived out of something, and that path is forged over and over and over again, and that becomes an easy track to follow. But uh, we have these new ways that God is going to show us to look at our experiences and to process and understand it through His lens and through his his eyes and when you do that it takes time to form that and so uh, there's three ways that new neuropathways are formed repetition so that's really understanding over and over and over again telling your mind what is truth because um, because your mind will follow what you tell it mm-hmm. so if you tell it I'm I'm ter- a terrible person. I'm not good enough. I'm I'm never gonna do this correctly, or I'm a terrible mother, or whatever it is. It might be right. You tell yourself that over and over and over again. Maybe that's come from childhood where you were told you're not good enough. You're not doing this correctly. You're not doing yeah. it. So um, a new neuropathway needs to be formed. So it's telling your mind something. That's truth over and over again. It's also through experience. That's another way that a new neuropathway is formed through experience. So it's sort of like I could tell you how to change a tire on a car, um, or I could show you how to change a tire on a car, or I could ask you to change a tire on a car, and I could, I could kind of come alongside. Mm-hmm. And you can experience that. You're going to learn um, quit more quickly, your brain yeah. is going to hold on to that experience. And so it's really knowing and experiencing God in a new way that helps to form those new neuropathways. Yeah. And that, so as you walk through that, it definitely sounds like that takes time. And mm-hmm. I think as, as Americans, we're like, oh my gosh, just give me an easy fix. I got trauma. Let me heal it. And you're, th- I think what you're saying is, man, this right approach it takes some time to, mm-hmm. to form those new pathways and that, um, do you, do you ever see, is that ever a roadblock to people experiencing healing? It's just, it's a long grind and some people just don't stick it out. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that's what sometimes really hurts my heart a lot when you can see how healing is happening in somebody. <clears throat> and a lot of times people just want to alleviate pain. They don't necessarily want to put the work in for healing. So as long as I can alleviate the pain for a little bit, that's great, you know, and then they might prematurely, um, you know, not continue the process, yeah, yeah. like stop the process. Yeah. yeah. So, so what would, what would you say to, I mean, this, this question, you kind of mentioned it at the workshop, um, like the role this plays in sanctification. So I think a lot of our, a lot of our listeners, you know, we, they hear us talk about, Hey, we want you to grow in your faith. Like we want you not to just be people that know Jesus, but actually grow in that relationship. And so, you know, things like reading the word, praying, Christian community, I mean, all those things, those you know, spiritual disciplines, as you would call them. Um, I think our listeners know you need to do those to grow spiritually. But what would you say the role of of learning your story, healing from trauma, like this journey you're talking about, how does that play into that sanctification process as we are people that are 
you know, saved by Christ, but then also between now and heaven, trying to grow in that and understand more of who we are. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, that's actually a, a question of really what it means to integrate what you believe into your mind, body, spirit. And so, um, a lot of times you'll hear Christians say, well, I believe that truth with my head, but I'm having a hard time living it out or believing it in my heart, you know? And so really what that means is that my mind hasn't fully grasped that concept. So I haven't integrated it. It hasn't, it hasn't become part of me. And so a lot of times people are having a left brain experience where they, they understand a truth. But sanctification isn't really change, isn't really happening until their mind fully grasps it. And the left brain is kind of the logical, linear, you know, words kind of way of thinking of something. And the right brain is really the experiential, it's the emotional. And those two parts of the brain have to like believe the same thing. And when they believe the same thing and they're having conversation with each other and recognizing, yes, I believe this in like in the linear, orderly, logical way. And yes, I believe this in the emotional, in the the experiential way. And so um, when you when those two things are happening, when the left and the right brain are are working together, then sanctification is happening. And then then our heart is being moved more toward Christ. And so the Holy Spirit is the only one who does that. It's the only way that we can be totally integrated and, and process something. He's the whole, that holistic way of healing only comes through the work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. yeah. And so from, from what you said about the left and right brain, is it, is it safe to say and correct to say that we tend, as at least Christians in our culture and our time in history, we tend to put sanctification as a left brain thing? And, yes. and never the other side many times. Many times. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, we live more in a left brain culture. You know, our culture is very um, cognitive. And so it, it is a little bit more difficult. We do think of it a lot in, especially in the evangelical Christian church. Like we definitely are very more left brain culture. So, um, but anytime we're sharing stories of testimony, you know, and we're having a heart connect with something um, that someone is sharing or, or we're able to read scripture and actually put ourselves in that, into that, um, then we're, our left and right brain are really having the same experience together then. Yeah. And I, one of the things I know you mentioned that made me think of our people is, um, so we have a, so we preach God's word. So in a sense, very left brain, it's content, you're hearing it. But we do something every Sunday morning that's very right-brained, mm-hmm. and that is... Worship. Yeah. Why Why is... So when we get together as a church and we sing and we're praising the Lord together as a body, why is that so... Why is that such a good right brain experience for mm-hmm. us? It's a great left and right brain experience oh, because point, we're yeah. singing praises to God. We're singing truth. We're singing the things that our left brain know, maybe knows is true. But it is an emotional um, music is something that emotionally moves us. And um, there's, you know, we can see in scripture when uh, the Lord used David to calm Saul 
you know, through his playing and his music. And we can see all the way through the Psalms. I mean, when you're hurting most, where do you go to in scripture? A lot of times we go to the Psalms because it's poetry and our right brain is having an experience with it. Um, so anytime there's imagery, um, and music elicits that. So, um, you know, it is, and then there's also something called mirror neurons, which I love. I love talking about mirror neurons. Those are things that we have in our brain that, um, cause us to link up with somebody in thought. So like, let's say, you know, you're sharing a story with me and I feel empathy for you. Hmm. That's mirror neurons. Well, really in, in the spiritual world, that's the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah, like that's, that's really point, just yeah. the Holy Spirit, but it's biologically how we experience the Holy Spirit. So when you're worshiping and you're hearing people singing around you and you are, you know, singing to the Lord and the Holy Spirit is moving, you know, those are the words that we use in yeah. the, in faith, yep. but, um, but in a psychological world, you know, that yeah. is those mirror neurons are firing. And so that's why the left and the right brain are having an experience at yeah. that time. And it's, and it really is experiential. We really are moved by it. Yeah. So it very, it seems like the Lord knows what he's doing. When it comes <laughs> to, uh, like, man, you think like, yeah, why, why is it so important to gather with the body of Christ? Mm-hmm. I mean, all the stuff you're saying, like yeah. you're sharing life together, you're sharing stories. And, yeah. Fellowship. Yeah. 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 And what, um, I'm trying to tease it out by not giving it away because I think it would be really good for our listeners to hear. I mean, when, so, you, you know, you've talked about worship, especially in that context of the church, it's it's a full body experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, you know, emotion, your logic, all that's there is we worship the Lord. Um, your body sometimes into it. Your body, raising. yeah. And so that, so you mentioned, you mentioned at the workshop there, there's, you know, we talk about expression and worship at Redemption. Like mm-hmm. we want our people to like, if the Lord, if you're like in worship, like express that. Maybe that's crying, raising your hands, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a it's a, an engagement thing we want. And there's an interesting thing about there's a certain type of way we engage in worship that's also you know in the psycho- psychological world they're like oh there's something here. So mm-hmm. I'm trying not to give it away. <laughs> I know what you know what I'm talking about. So I do. Th- give give us to it. Let's hear. It. Yeah, yeah. Actually. Um, I love talking about this because I I love to say that current neuro research, um, psychological research for healing is actually catching up with scripture. And there's so many ways that we can see that um, today, which is just really exciting to, to be able to say like this secular research actually backs up what we see here in scripture. And um, so the science world and the faith world are coming together. And that's so exciting. Um but yes, the last way that new neuropathways are made um, is through movement. And um, because we're trying beings, our body, our mind, our spirit, all are having an effect um, either in a negative experience or in a positive experience, in a healing experience. And so um, one of the ways that uh, current neuro research has talked about the most effective way for healing is what we call a bottom-up approach, meaning your body moves and tells a story to your brain that you're safe. And so there are ways that through breathing, um, 
through breathing through your diaphragm that it can calm your body and your mind. And another way that we can do that is through movement. And there is a particular, is this what you're talking about? Yep. Okay. Yeah, keep going. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So um, there is a particular way in which we hold our body or move our body that actually current neuro research is saying is the most effective way for healing. And that is a pose where your hands are up in a worshipful kind of way. And so we know we automatically can do that sometimes when we're worshiping. We just feel moved to raise our hands and to put our hands up above our head and to um, really use our body to praise and worship. And what we don't even realize is in those moments, you know, we have the Holy Spirit moving our mirror neurons. We have praise to the Father who we know is of all truth and all goodness and all love. And now we have our body involved, which is um, healing our body in those in those moments yeah. um, to be able to tell our mind that this is a good space. This is a safe space. Yeah. Man, I love that. Yeah, that's just like... It's just encouraging because I think we we tend to we tend to think all right we're singing songs we should raise our hand because that's kind of like the churchy Christian thing to do mm-hmm. like oh you worship you raise your hand but like man there is so there's so much more going on mm-hmm. with just what we think might be I feel led to raise my hands mm-hmm. but man there is a lot of things going on that yep. the spirit's doing that you have no idea but it's yeah. healing and right. that's that's awesome. Yeah, you think about David in scripture and how he worshiped, you know? Yeah. yeah. Keep your clothes on, hopefully, though. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. So so let me, I kind of want to end with letting you share one more thing. So you, you shared a little bit about um, how Jesus's interaction with Peter after he, uh, after Jesus denied, or Peter denied Jesus, and then after Jesus uh, rose from the grave, him and Peter had that interaction on the mm-hmm. beach before uh, Jesus ascended. So, so I'm just going to let you go loose here for a minute and just <laughs> let you share like what, cause you shared an interesting angle of that story that I think a lot of us miss and when it comes to healing and trauma. So, so just kind of walk our listeners through that interaction and what was possibly happening there with his healing and mm-hmm. what Jesus was Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that story. It's such a great picture of what healing looks like. Um, we know that Peter denied Christ three times, and we know that part of that denial happened around a fire. And in John 21, um, we see where Jesus is reinstating Peter. And so he's basically um, showing us a picture of healing, of redemption, of restoration. And in that, he's calling Peter out of the water and James, and he's he's building a fire on the shore. And so already we can see where he is starting to recreate the experience that Peter had in the place of denial. So he's taking him back to the place of his trauma, um, basically by engaging his five senses. Um, we know that our olfactory sense is the most, it's the strongest of the five senses. Hmm. And so a lot of times when people have walked through trauma, if they smell something that is similar to what they were smelling during a trauma experience, then it will trigger them. And so, um, but God had, you know, Jesus had the five senses going. He could see it, he could feel it, and he could smell it. 
And so here Peter comes and um, they, you know, they have dinner, they have the, you know, the fish that they've caught and he creates this fire and then he comes to the side and he pulls Peter to the side and he has this conversation with him. And so he asks him three times, Peter, do you love me? And the first couple of times he's really asking him in that place of brotherly love, do you love me more than these, more than these brothers of ours? Do you love me? And Peter is responding to him, and he says, yes, Lord, you know that I do. And But he continues to ask him. You know, he asked him the first time. Peter says yes. He asked him the second time. Um, Peter says yes. And really, in those moments, Jesus is creating repetition. He's actually starting to create a new neuropathway. And we don't know what's going on with Peter. We don't know if he has been in a place of feeling shame since he denied Christ, feeling embarrassment, if he's in a place of like, was his heart really, really in a place of total surrender to the Lord? Um, But we know that his heart needed work to shift in sanctification. And so Jesus is doing that, and he's doing that by recreating the trauma experience, and he's retelling the story now with healing and truth. And he's shifting his mind and his heart into a place of what real surrendered agape love is. So the last time he asks Peter, he says, Peter, do you love me? Agape love. And Peter, Peter says, Lord, you know me. You know my heart. And so you can see in that moment, that's where the shift actually happens. Mm. And Jesus is able to say, now go feed my sheep. Now, come into your your calling. Mm. Go do what I've called you to do. Become who I've created and redeemed you to be. So there's a shift neurologically. There's a shift in his heart. There's a shift in sanctification. So the Lord recreates the experience, retells it. That's healing. And he... Um, shifts his heart through repetition. Man, I love that, and I think it's um, it's encouraging because I I think it it reiterates that truth of yeah we all we all have some form of trauma, and Jesus as as our healer and our savior, he wants to step into that mm-hmm. and to you know change our hearts, work on our hearts, and you know I think about this, a song we started singing last month here at our church uh run to the father i think the the title is but it talks about like my heart needs a surgeon mm-hmm. and it's like yeah it does mm-hmm. and and there is one and mm-hmm. and like he does he he wants to work in our hearts and that's um and it's a process and it takes time but that's part of sanctification mm-hmm. so yeah well before we wrap up is there anything Leanne you feel like man you would love to leave our listeners with anything you would want to encourage them with just maybe they're listening to this and maybe, maybe it's the first time they're starting to think of like, Oh, there is some trauma. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe they're fully aware of it, but what just any encouragement you would leave them with? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that our stories are complex and people are complex. And so sometimes um, it's really important. I think what grace looks like, I think it's really important to recognize that, People um, were not are not all we've been made with dignity, you know, in the image of God, um, but we've inherited depravity. So we're not all bad, but we're not all good. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> when people are responding or reacting in ways that um, are difficult or hard, um, they might be in a regressed state. 
when we are doing that, we might be in a regress state. We might be triggered. And um, it's important to kind of think about that, to recognize what it looks like to understand yourself and where someone else might be, rather than just kind of sitting in a place of judgment of um, how someone has reacted or responded to something or how you react or respond to something, but to understand that our brains are complex and trauma is there. It's, it's made an imprint on our brain. And so when there are certain things that happen, it's very easy to be triggered when those, when certain things are a reminders Mm -hmm. through our five senses, we take in information. And if that, if there's something that is similar to what we've walked through in a trauma experience, we might regress. Mm -hmm. And so um, a lot of times I tell people, don't look at surface or face value of something. Think beyond what might be um, happening for that person and how do you lean in rather than react to it. You know, so a lot of times we're walking around in our fight, flight, or freeze mechanisms. You know, it's what we have been the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. And so what does it look like to um, have greater understanding, have spiritual eyes, spiritual ears to really know what might be happening for someone underneath the surface? And how do you lean into that um, instead of react out of it? Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you uh, for for taking the time to be on our podcast today. Mm -hmm. And thank you for everything you're doing, what your team's doing at Free to Be and and hopefully if you're listening to this and you are, the Lord is kind of bringing some things to your mind of some traumas you went through, I would encourage you, uh, please seek out, uh, if it's free to be, if it's somewhere else, just seek out some of uh, our recommended counselors and we'll we'll drop the link of that uh, in, our, in the bio of the show notes. Um, but thank you again for being here and uh, thank you for spending some time with mm-hmm. us and thanks for listening to another episode of Redemption Unscripted. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others. To catch the latest episode, be sure to subscribe and follow us. For more resources like this, visit our website at www.redemptionchapel.com grow. We hope you join us next time on Redemption Unscripted.